Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, How to Lose Your Mind and Create a New One by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Forward. Your brain is involved in everything you do, including how you think, how you feel, how you act, and how well you get along with other people. It's the organ of personality, character, intelligence, and every decision you make. From my brain imaging work with tens of thousands of patients worldwide over the past 20 years, it is very clear to me that when your brain works right, you work right. And when your brain is troubled, you are much more likely to have trouble in your life. With a healthier brain, you're happier, physically healthier, wealthier, wiser, and just make better decisions, which helps you be more successful and live longer. When the brain is not healthy for whatever reason, such as a head injury or past emotional trauma, people are sadder, sicker, poorer, less wise, and less successful. It is easy to understand how trauma can hurt the brain, but researchers have also seen how negative thinking and bad programming from our past also affect it. For example, I grew up with an older brother who is intent on shoving me around. The constant tension and fear I felt then led to a higher level of anxiety, anxious thinking patterns, and always being on guard, never knowing when something bad was about to happen. This fear caused long-term overactivity in my brain's fear center until I was able to work through it later on in life. In Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, my colleague, Dr. Joe Dispenza, is your guide to optimize both the hardware and software of your brain to help you reach a new state of mind. His new book is based on solid science, and he continues to speak with kindness and wisdom as he did in the award-winning film, What the Bleep Do We Know? And in his first book, Evolve Your Brain. Even though I think of the brain like a computer with both hardware and software, the hardware, the actual physical functioning of the brain, is not separate from the software or the constant programming and reshaping that occurs throughout our lives. They have a dramatic impact on each other. Most of us have had trauma of some kind in our lives and live with the day-to-day -day scars that have resulted. Cleaning out those experiences have become part of the brain structure can be incredibly healing. Of course, engaging in brain healthy habits such as proper diet and exercise and certain brain nutrients, it's critical that the brain working right. But in addition, your moment by moment thoughts exert a powerful healing effect on the brain or they can work to your detriment. The same is true for past experiences that have become wired in the brain. The study we do at the AMEN clinics is called Brain SPECT Imaging, S-P-E-C-T, Single Photon Emission Computed Tomography Patterns. It is a nuclear medicine study that looks like a blood flow and activity patterns. It is different from CT scans or MRIs, which examine the brain's anatomy because SPECT looks at how the brain functions. Our SPECT work, now over 70,000 scans, has taught us too many important life lessons about the brain, such as brain injuries can ruin people's lives. 
Alcohol is not a healthy food and often shows significant damage on spec scans. A number of medications people routinely take, such as some common anti-anxiety medications, are not good for your brain. And diseases like Alzheimer's actually starts in the brain decades before people have any symptoms. Spec scans have also taught us that as a society, we need to have much more love and respect for the brain and that allowing children to play contact sports like football and hockey, it is just not a smart idea. One of the most exciting lessons I have learned is that people can literally change their brain and change their lives by engaging in regular brain healthy habits, such as correcting negative beliefs and using medita meditative processes. Um, those are discussed by Dr. Joe Dispenza. In one series of studies we published, the practice of meditation, such as what Dr. Dispenza recommends, boosted blood flow to the prefrontal cortex, the most thoughtful part of the brain. After eight weeks of daily meditation, the prefrontal frontal cortex at the rest was stronger and the memories of the subjects were better too. There are so many ways to heal and optimize a brain. My hope is that like me, you will develop brain envy and want a better functioning brain. The brain imaging work we do has changed everything in my own life. Shortly after I started ordering SPECT scans in 1991, I decided to look at my own brain. I was 37 years old. When I saw the toxic, bumpy appearance, I knew it was not healthy. All of my life, I had been someone who rarely drank alcohol, never smoked, and never used any illegal drugs then why did my brain look so bad? Before I really understood about brain health, I'd had many bad brain habits. I ate lots of fast food, drank Diet Coke. Like that was just my best friend. I often slept only four to five hours a night and carried unexamined hurts from the past. I didn't exercise. I felt chronically stressed and carried an extra 30 pounds. What I didn't know was hurting me and not just a little. My last scan looked healthier and much younger than it did 20 years earlier. My brain was literally aged backwards. And how changing your brain too. When you make up your mind and take care of it properly, after seeing my original scan, I wanted my brain to be better. This book will help yours be better too. I hope you enjoy reading it as much as I did. Daniel G. Amen, author of Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. Introduction. The greatest habit you can ever break is the habit of being yourself. When I think about all the books on creating the life we desire, I realize that many of us are still looking for approaches that are grounded in sound scientific evidence, methods that truly work. But already new research into the brain and body, the mind and consciousness, and a quantum leap in our understanding of physics is suggesting expanded possibilities and how to move inward what we innately know is our real potential. As a practicing chiropractic who runs a busy integrated health clinic and an educator in the field of neuroscience, brain function, biology, and brain chemistry, I have been privileged to be at the forefront of some of this research not just by studying the fields mentioned above,
but also by observing the effects of me. The effects of new science once applied by common people like you and me. That's a moment when the possibilities of this new science really became reality. As a consequence, I have witnessed some remarkable changes in people's individuals' health and quality of life when they truly change their minds. Over the last several years, I've had the opportunity to interview a host of people who overcame significant health conditions that were considered either terminal or permanent. Per the contemporary model of medicine, these recoveries were labeled spontaneous remissions. However, upon my extensive examination of their inner journeys, it became apparent to me that there was a strong element of mind involved and that their physical change weren't so spontaneous after all. This discovery furthered my postgraduate studies in brain imaging, neuroplasticity, epigenetics, and psychoneuroimmunology. I simply figured out that something had to be happening in the brain and the body that could be zeroed in on and then replicated. In this book, I want to share some of what I learned along the way and show you by exploring how mind and matter are interrelated. Now you can apply these principles not only for your body, but for any aspect of your life. Go beyond knowing to knowing how. Many readers of my first book, Evolve Your Brain, The Science of Changing Your Mind, voice the same honest and heartfelt request along with a fair amount of positive feedback, such as the person who wrote, I really liked your book. I read it twice. It had lots of science and was very thorough and inspiring, but can you tell me how to do it? How do I evolve my brain? In response, I began teaching a workshop series on the particular steps anyone can take to make changes at the level of the mind and body that will lead to lasting results. Consequently, I have seen people experience unexplainable healings, release old mental and emotional wounds, resolve so-called impossible difficulties, create new opportunities, and experience wonderful health, just to name a few. You will meet some of these people in these pages. It is not necessary that you read my first book to digest the materials in this one, but if you have and been exposed to my work, I wrote Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself to serve as a practical how-to companion to evolve your brain. It is my earnest um, objective to make this new book simple and easy to understand. There will be times though, and I will have to give you bits of knowledge to act at the forerunner for the concepts I wanna develop. The purpose is to build a realistic working model of personal transformation that will help you understand how we can change. Breaking the habit of being yourself is a product of one of my passions, a sincere effort to demystify the mystical so that every person understands that we have within our reach all we need to make significant changes in our lives. This is a time in history when not only do we want to know, but we want to know how. How do we apply and personalize both emerging science concepts and age-old wisdom to succeed at living a more enriched life? When you and I 
connect the dots of what science is discovering about the nature of reality and when we give ourselves permission to apply these principles to our day-to-day -day existence then each of us becomes both a mystic and a scientist in our own life so i invite you to experiment with everything that you learn in this book and to objective objectively observe the results what i mean is that if you make the effort to change your inner world of thoughts and feelings, your external environment should begin to give you feedback to show you that your mind has been an effect on your outer world. Why else would you do it? If you take intellectual information that you learn as philosophy and then innate that knowledge into your life by applying it enough times until you master it, you will ultimately move from being a philosopher to an innate to a master stay tuned there is sound science and evidence that this is possible i do ask up front that you keep an open mind so that we can build step by step the concepts i outlined in this book all of this information is for you to do something with otherwise it's just good dinner conversation isn't it once you can open your mind to the way things really are and let go of your conditioned belief which you are accustomed to framing reality you should see the fruits of your effort that is my wish for you the information in these pages is there to inspire you to prove to yourself that you are a divine creator we should never wait for science to give us permission to do the uncommon if we do then we are turning science into another religion we should be brave enough to come contemplate our lives do what we thought was outside of the box and do it repeatedly when we do that we are on our way to a greater level of personal power the empowerment comes when we start to look deeply at our beliefs we may find our roots in the conditioning of religion culture society education family the media and even our genes the latter being imprinted by the sensory experience of our current lives as well as untold generations then we weigh these old ideas against some new paradigms that may serve us better times are changing as individuals awaken to greater reality we are part of a much larger sea of change our current systems and models of reality are just breaking down and it's time for something new to emerge across the board our models for politics economics religion science education medicine and our relationship with the environment are showing a different landscape than just 10 years ago letting go of the outmoded and embracing the new sound easy but at this point um, out in Evolve Your Brain, much of what we have learned and experienced has been incorporated into our biological self and we wear it like a garment. But we also know that what is true today might not be true tomorrow. Just as we have come to question our perception of atoms as a solid piece of matter, reality and their interaction with it is a progression of ideas and beliefs. We also know that to leave the familiar life that we have grown accustomed to and waltz into something new is like a salmon swimming upstream. It takes effort. And frankly, 
it's uncomfortable. And to top it off, ridicule, marginalization, opposition, and denigration from those who cling to what they believe they know greet us along the way. Who with such unconventional bent is willing to meet such adversity in the name of some concept that they cannot embrace with their senses, yet which is alive in their minds? How many times in history have individuals who were considered heretics and fools and thus took the abuse of the unexceptional emerged as geniuses, saints, or masters? Will you dare to be an original? Change as a choice instead of a reaction. It seems that human nature is such that we balk at change until things get really bad and we're so uncomfortable, we can no longer go on with business as usual. This is true for individuals as it is for society. We wait for crisis, trauma, loss, disease, and tragedy before we get down to looking at who we are. What are we doing and how are we living? What are we feeling and what do we believe or know in order to embrace true change? Often it takes worst case scenarios for us to begin making changes that support our health, relationships, career, family, and future. My message is, why wait? We can learn and change in a state of pain and suffering, or we can evolve in the state of joy and inspiration. Most embrace the former. To go with the latter, we have just to make up our minds that change will probably entail a bit of discomfort, some inconvenience, a break from the predictable routine, and a period of not knowing. Most of us already familiar with the temporary discomfort of not knowing, we stumble through our early efforts to read until this skill becomes second nature. When we first practice the violin or drums, our parents wished they could send us to a soundproof room. Pity the hapless parents who has his blood drawn by a medical student who has a requisite knowledge, but still lacks the finesse that he or she only gain through practice. Absorbing knowledge, knowing, and then gaining practical experience by applying what you learned until a particular skill became ingrained in you, knowing how, is probably how you acquired most of the abilities that you feel like are part of your being, knowing this. In much the same, learning how to change your life involves knowledge and application of the knowledge that what this, that is why this book is divided into three overarching sections. Through part one and two, I will build ideas and sequences, forming a bigger and broader model of understanding for you to personalize. And some ideas seem repetitive. They are there to remind you about something that I don't want you to forget. Repetition reinforces the circuits in your brain and forms more neural connections so that what is weakest hour, you don't talk yourself out of greatness. When you ease up into part three of the book with a sound knowledge base, you can experience for yourself the truth of what you learned earlier. Part one, the science of you. Our exploration will start with an overview of philosophical and scientific paradigms related to the largest research about the nature of reality. 
who you are, why changes have been so difficult for so many, and what is possible for you as a human being. Part one will be an easy read, I promise. Chapter one, the quantum you, introduces you to a bit of quantum physics, but don't be alarmed. I start, start there because it's important that you begin to embrace the concept that your subject mind has an effect on your objective world. The observer effects in quantum physics states that where you direct your attention is where you place your energy. As a consequence, you affect the material world, which by the way, is made mostly of energy. If you entertain the idea, even for a moment, you might start focusing on what you really want instead of what you don't want. And you might even find yourself thinking, if an atom is 99.99999% energy and 0.00001% physical substance, then I'm actually more nothing than something. So why do I keep my attention on that small percentage of the physical world where I'm so much more. Is defining my present reality by what I perceive with my senses the biggest limitation I have? In chapter two through four, we look at what it means to change, to become greater than the environment, the body, and time. You probably entertain the idea that your thoughts create your life. But in chapter two, overcoming your environment, I discuss how if you allow the outer world to control how you think and feel your external world your external environment is patterning circuits in your brain to make you feel equal to everything familiar to you the result is that you create more of the same you hardwire your brain to reflect the problems personal conditions and circumstances in your life. So to change, you must be greater than all things physical in your reality. Chapter three, overcoming your body, continues to look at how we unconsciously live by a set of memorized behaviors, thoughts, and emotional reactions, all running like a computer program behind the scenes of your conscious awareness. That's why it's not enough to think positive because most of who we are might reside subconsciously and negatively into the body. By the end of this book, you will know how to enter into the operating system of the subconscious mind and take permanent changes where those programs exist. Now in chapter four, Overcoming Time, examines how we either live in the anticipation of future events or repeatedly revisit past memories or both until the body begins to believe it is living in a time other than the present moment. The latest research supports the notion that we have a natural ability to change the brain and body by thought alone, so that it looks biologically like some future event has already happened. Because you can make more thoughts more real than anything else, you can change who you are from brain cell to gene, given the right understanding. When you learn how to use your attention and access the present, you will enter through the door to the quantum field where all potentials exist. Chapter five, survival 
versus creation illustrates the distinction between living in survival and living in creation. Living in survival entails living in stress and functioning at a materialist believing that the outer world is more real than the inner world. When you're under the gun of the fight or flight nervous system being run, it's cocktail of intoxicating chemicals. You are programmed to be concerned only about your body. The things or people in your environment and your obsession with time, your brain and body are out of balance. You are living a predictable life. However, when you are truly in elegant state of creation, you are no body, no thing, no time. You forget about yourself. You become pure consciousness, free from the chains of the identity that becomes the outer reality to remember who it thinks it is. Part two, your brain and meditation. In chapter six, three brains, thinking to doing to being. You will embrace the concepts that you have three brains that allow you to move from thinking to doing to being. Even better, when you focus your attention to the exclusion of your environment, your body and time, you can easily move from thinking to being without having to do anything. In that state of mind, your brain does not distinguish between what is happening in the outer world of reality and what is happening in the inner world of your mind. Thus, if you can mentally rehearse a desired experience via thoughts alone, you will experience the emotions of that event before it is physically manifested. Now you are moving into a new state of being because your body and mind are working as one. When you begin to feel like some potential future reality is happening to you in the moment that you are focusing on, you are rewiring your atomic habits, attitudes, and other unwanted subconscious programs. Chapter 7, The Gap, explores how to break free from the emotions that you have memorized, which have become your personality, and how to close the gap between who you really are in your inner private world and how you appear in the outer social world. We all reach a certain point when we stop learning and realize that nothing external can take away those familiar feelings from our past. If you can predict the feelings of every experience in your life, there is no room for anything new to occur. Because you're viewing your life from the past instead of the future, this is the juncture point where the souls either break free or fall into oblivion. You will learn to liberate your energy in the form of emotions and thus narrow the gap between how you appear and who you really are. Ultimately, you will create transparency. When how you appear is who you are, you are truly free. Part two concludes with chapter eight, meditation, demystifying the mystical and waves of your future, in which my purpose is to demystify meditation so that you know what you're doing and why. Discussing brainwave technology, made simple. I show you how your brain changes electromagnetically when you are focused versus when you are in a roused state due to stress in your life. You will learn that true purpose of meditation is to get beyond the analytical mind and enter into the subconscious mind so you can make real and permanent changes. If you get up for meditation, 
as the same person who sat down, nothing has happened to you on any level. When you meditate and connect to something greater, you can create, then memorize such coherence between your thoughts and feelings that nothing in your outer reality, no thing, no person, no condition at any place or time could move you from that level of energy. Now you're mastering your environment, your body, and time. Part three, stepping towards your new destiny. All of the information in part one and two is provided in order to equip you with the necessary knowledge so that when you demonstrate, apply this information in part three, which supplies the how-to, you will have a direct experience of what you've been taught. Part three is all about applying yourself in an actual discipline, a mind exercise to use in your daily life. It's a step-by-step meditation process created so you can actually do something with the theory given to you. By the way, did your mind balk when I mentioned that multi-step process? If so, it's not what you think. Yes, you will learn a sequence of actions, but soon you will experience them as one or two simple steps. After all, you probably perform multiple actions every time you prepare to drive your car. For example, you adjust the seat, you put on your seatbelt, check the mirrors, start the engine, turn on the headlights, look around, use a turn signal, apply the brake, put the car into drive or reverse, apply pressure to the gas pedal, and so on. Ever since you learned to drive, you have executed this procedure easily and automatically. I assure you the same will be true once you learn each step in part three. You may be asking yourself, why do I need to read part one and two? I'll just jump right into part three. I know, I'd probably be thinking the same. I decided to offer the relevant knowledge in the first two parts of the text so that you get to the third section. Nothing will be left to conjecture, dogma, or speculation. When you begin the steps of the meditation, you'll know exactly what you're doing and why. When you comprehend the what and the why, the more you will know, and thus the more you will know how when the time comes. Therefore, you will have more power and intention behind the practical experience of truly changing your mind. By using the steps in part three, you may be more prone to accept your innate ability to change so-called impossible situations in your life. You might even give yourself permission to entertain potential realities that you have never considered prior to your exposure to these new concepts. You might just begin to do the uncommon. That is my aim for you by the time you finish this book. So if you can resist the temptation to jump ahead to part three, I promise that when you get there, you'll be quite empowered by what you've learned. I've seen this approach work throughout the world in a series of three-day workshops I've led. When people gain the right knowledge in such a way they understand is completely and then have the opportunity for effective instructions to apply what they comprehend, then like magic, they can see the fruits of their efforts in the forms of change that serve as feedback in their lives. Part three will give you the meditative skills to change something within your mind and body and to produce an effect outside of you. 
Once you can notice what you did inside of you that produced an outcome outside of you, you'll do it again. Then a new experience manifests in your life. You'll embrace it. The energy you feel is the form of an elevated emotion, such as empowerment, awe, or immense gratitude. And that energy will drive you to do it again and again. Now you're on the path to true evolution. Each meditation step delineated in part three is associated with a piece of meaningful information presented earlier in the book. Because you'll have cultivated the meaning behind exactly what you're doing, there should be no ambiguity that might cause you to lose your vision. Like many skills you've learned in the beginning, it may take all of your conscious effort to stay focused as you learn how to meditate. So as you learn how to meditate to evolve your brain, in the process, you must restrain yourself from your typical behavior and maintain your thoughts on what you're doing without wandering or extraneous stimuli so that your actions are in aligned with your intention. Just as you might have experienced when you first learned to cook the, or tie food, play golf, dance a salsa, or drive a stick shift, the newness of the endeavor will require, require you to practice this ability continually, training both your mind and body to memorize each step. Remember, most types of instruction are formatted in bite-sized chunks so that your mind and body can begin to work together. Once you get it, all the individual steps you keep reviewing merge into one smooth process. The method, methodology and linear approach seamlessly flow into holistic effort and less unified demonstration. This is the point of personal ownership. At times, the effort this takes can be tedious, but if you persist with a certain amount of will and energy in time, you will enjoy the results. When you know that you know how to do something, you're on your way to mastering it. I'm overjoyed to say that many people around the world are already using the knowledge in this book to make demonstrable changes in their life. It is my sincere passion that you too break the habit of being yourself and create the new life that you deserve. Let's get started. This is Open Books, Open Minds. I'm reader Brenny Larson.